Being all in for Jesus and locking arms with our community is a dynamic that needs to be done sooner than later. We all long for community. And that's one thing that we all have in common. And Romans 12 tells us that we should be hospitable to each other and we should love our neighbor. And then we should even feed our enemy. And that is exactly what the world needs. We were not designed for life without connection. Loving and serving others is a beautiful way to glorify God and also feed our need for togetherness. I'm all in. Hey everybody, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you're here. This is our second week of opening the building. I welcome those of you at Restoration Chapel. Uh, guys, hang in there. We are praying for you. Uh, those are the guys that are at uh, Cauga Hills uh, Detention Center. Or uh, want to be praying for them. Our service goes to them. Uh, welcome those of you at Aurora and those of you just tuning in. Uh, welcome. All right. Last week, uh, we gave you a couple of next steps. And uh, one of the next steps was uh, this card, uh, Just Because. Oh, we are handing these out, doing things, you know, where our church has become known uh, over the last few years uh, in this area for uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, trying to blanket this area with 10,000 acts of kindness and generosity, just to remind people of the love of God. And we felt like there was no better time than right now to remind people of the love of God. So we are asking you to grab some of these cards and begin to uh, share God's love with people and then hand them this card. And there's a place on the back of this card where people can tell their story. And already stories are starting to flow in. So I know that you are doing that. So thanks for doing that. But grab some cards on your way out. The other thing is that we have these lawn signs uh, that say love matters most on one side and hate has no home here on the other. And we have handed out like 450 of these signs and they're all over the place in our community, which is great. And I've heard some great stories, but I wanted to share one with you. Uh, one, of my, one of our staff members just moved into a new neighborhood and his 11-year-old daughter uh, went out for a bike ride and she got lost because it was a brand new neighborhood. She didn't know what to do and she looked and she saw one of those signs. And she thought, I don't know anything about those people, but I know they will help me if I go ring their doorbell. And so sure enough, she went and rang the doorbell and it was somebody from CCC. Uh, and I thought that is so great because part of it that fits into what I wanna tell you today about being all in with each other. But I also thought that what a great thing to have uh, some way to recognize uh, one thing about somebody that makes them safe and somebody that you can ask for help. So if you don't have one of those yard signs yet, you can grab one. We ordered more because every time we order a bunch, uh, they go. So, all right, <clears throat> before I get into the message, uh, we want to uh, celebrate a local hero. We're doing this each service of this three-week series. Um, what we're doing is trying to honor some of the people that have gone all in for us. First responders, healthcare workers, teachers, ordinary people who've done extraordinary things during these last four months. So every service we honor and celebrate somebody. So uh, for this service, I want you to pay attention to the screen 
and I introduce to you the hero for today. Hi, I'm Karen Coffey, and I nominated Jeff Antoon. I chose Jeff because I've known him probably the longest. I've known him about 15 years. We met uh, because he was friends of my kids. I nominated Jeff because I have observed him these 15 years, and he has consistently made choices in serving others. For example, he graduated from college and went to grad school to be a licensed counselor. Um, and then from there, he went to the police academy and is now working um, as a police officer. Recently, he mentioned just how difficult it's been for people in their homes. Domestic violence has increased, um, substance abuse has increased, and he is one of those frontline workers that has to deal with that. One thing that stands out to me is that he never complains about what he's doing. He just serves, and I really respect him for that. He has a positive attitude and is on the front lines and happy to be there. Hey, Jeff. Hey. Has it been uh, more busy since COVID? In a different way. I mean, it's business as usual. It's, it's hit or miss. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some calls that we were busier with, with people being up in the home, domestics, alcohol-related stuff, a lot of mental health stuff, people just losing their minds stuck inside. Well, we actually have a special guest. The person that nominated you is in oh, the yeah. So they're going to come on and at least get to share a little bit about what they know and... <laughs> Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> I feel like he has um, had a lifestyle choosing to serve others, um, whether it was in college or grad school or then counseling and then now. It just came to mind when you said Local Heroes, I said, my pal Jeff needs to be included in this, so. Yeah, thanks so much for everything, Jeff. That's, what you're doing is a great thing. So, I appreciate it. And you represent us well too to the police department. You represent CCC to them, so thanks. I talk about you guys all the time. <laughs> all right, Officer Antoon is here uh, tonight. So, Jeff, would you come on up? <laughs> you know, I, you guys probably already know that the person who uh, nominated him was my wife. So your chances of winning were like hovering right around 100% because of that, yeah. Uh, but because the police department has a policy that uh, we can't uh, give a single officer a gift on behalf of our church and because we are honoring Jeff, uh, we are going to be treating the Hudson Police Department uh, to Flipside uh, for lunch and dinner on Tuesday and Wednesday. So we hit both shifts. So uh, you can tell them that's because of you and that should give you a, maybe a little job security, make great. you more popular. So. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jeff, for all that you do. All right. Thanks. This is fun. All right. We are in this series that we're calling All In, and it's really different things that we've learned through the last four months. Oh, and by the way, do not miss uh, Sunday night when I uh, get together with my friend Calvin Brown. Calvin is a pastor in Twinsburg at Destiny Church 
and we are going to be talking about what it means to uh, follow Jesus in the midst of this kind of racial tension and trying to understand the racial divide. I think it will be helpful. We're going to live stream it, so if you can't come, then you can tune in and watch it. We're also going to post it on our website, so I think that'll be good. All right, but we are in this series, right? And things that we have learned through the last four months, and that last week we talked about being all in with Jesus. Because to be honest, the people that really weathered the last four months the best have been people that had made a decision to be completely in with Jesus. We talked about Mark chapter 4, where the disciples are in a boat with Jesus when a storm hits, and it's a terrible storm, and it feels like we have been in a storm these last four months, not just in our community, not just in our country, but in the world. And just when we thought COVID couldn't get any worse, then the racial tension hits and it escalates. And then now COVID has made uh, a resurgence and it just seems like it keeps coming. For the disciples, that's the way the storm felt. But then they realized by the end of that story that there was no safer place in all the universe than being in a boat with Jesus in the midst of a storm. And so I want you to know that a lot of people try to treat Jesus as a sidecar, something to add to their life, but that's not being all in with Jesus. That won't really help you in a storm. But if you are all in with Jesus, you realize that he has already taken you through the most fierce storm, which is the storm that all human beings fear, which is death and judgment. And Jesus says, I will take you through that through if you have faith in me. And then every little storm that happens between now and then, he will be with you. That was last week. This week, we're going to look at being all in with each other, all in with each other. And here are my three points. First, why it's not good to be alone why it's not good to be alone. Number two, what Jesus has done. And number three, what it means to be part of Jesus' gang. (laughs) I'll explain that last part. All right, so what it means to be, or why it's not good to be alone, uh, what Jesus has done, and what it means to be part of Jesus' gang. First, why it's not good to be alone. Uh, One of the most difficult things about COVID, about coronavirus, is the isolation that it's forced upon people. And uh, we have survived other crises, and uh, there have been different crises uh, during my lifetime uh, that our community and our country has gone through. We have earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes, and those of us who are old enough to have uh, gone through 9-11, we remember at 9-11, people flooded churches because we wanted to be together. It's in the midst of a crisis is when you want to be close to people. But Coronavirus has pushed us to isolation, and that has made it extremely difficult. And the reason is because you're not just a physical being, you are a relational and a spiritual being as well. And I have people ask me all the time, why would you risk opening the church building again? What are you doing? And I get, I get those, and I get that sentiment. I understand what they're saying, but I always want to tell them, that there's something that is important to recognize that we aren't just physical beings. We are also relational beings. We need each other. We need contact. And that runs very deep. 
In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's a fascinating verse. I always thought it was interesting, but until I studied it recently, I never really realized how fascinating it is. If you know the Bible story, you know that Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 is when God creates all that is. And when he creates all that is, everything is perfect. Everything is exactly the way, like God imagined this world in his mind, this this universe in his mind, and then he spoke it into existence, and it was absolutely what he designed it to be. So everything was pristine and perfect. And then Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and then we have experienced that brokenness ever since in every aspect of our lives, physical, emotional, spiritual. But Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is that perfection. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God has created every single thing except for Eve. And this is what God says in Genesis chapter 2, and it's jarring. He says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. It is not good that the man should be alone. Now, then my epiphany with that was this. Adam wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. He was with God. He was walking with God. He had a perfect relationship with God. And you know, if you've heard some people tell you, hey, all you need is God. Evidently, God didn't think so. Isn't that amazing? That as critical as the vertical relationship is with God, and that is something that is absolutely you know, critical to your life, God made you so that you would have relationship with other people, and it's not good when you don't. It is so strong that we have this pull toward each other. All right? Our staff in the last, I don't know, six, eight months, we spent a lot of time trying to imagine kind of what God's design was for the world. Because if you know the overarching story of the Bible, you know, it begins with perfection in Genesis 1 and 2. And then Genesis 3 happens and sin enters the world and there's brokenness and shatteredness. But that Genesis 1 and 2 is what we call the ought. That word ought. And all of us have this sense of how things ought to be, right? People ought to love each other. There ought to be peace. There ought to be justice. Parents ought to cherish their children. And every time we experience something in the world where, where where it's not what it ought to be, we recognize it, we feel it. Even if you're not a Christian, You have a very strong sense of the way things ought to be, which is why you get enraged when things are not the way they should be. The overarching story of the Bible is that in Genesis 3, sin enters the world and things begin to shatter and to break. And we call that what is. And we don't have to look very far to realize that what is is not what ought to be. You know, we can look in our on our social media, we can read the newspaper or watch the news, or if we're honest enough, we can look in the mirror and realize that we are not what we ought to be. What is, is not what ought, what God made and designed. 
But in the overarching story of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we know that God ends this world by restoring the world. Christianity is the only major religion that talks about a restoration of all things. There's a word for it. It's the Greek word palingenesia, which means that all things being returned to the way God intended, the way God designed, including you, including me, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And in between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, the perfection and the restoration is Jesus, is Jesus. And that brings me to the second point, which is what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done. So we go in this this brokenness that we know that Jesus came for us. And most of you know that Jesus came to restore your relationship with God vertically, right? Through his life, death, and resurrection. If you have faith in him, what Jesus promises is that you can be reconciled to God, that his sacrifice for you, his resurrection for you can result in forgiveness of your sins and life, real life. But Jesus came to do more than that. Jesus' ultimate goal is to restore all things, including the way we relate to each other. And this is how. Years ago, I don't don't know how many years ago it was, and my memory of this is pretty fuzzy, so I'm not really exactly sure. I'm just going to give you the basic outline of the story. Uh, but I was, uh, it was back when I was going on a lot of mission trips. And so I would go on these scouting trips to a uh, place and set things up. And then I would bring a team over. So I was in another country and I was uh, there alone. And I was having dinner by myself. And it's, you hardly ever feel any more, at least I haven't, felt more isolated when, than when I've been in another country by myself. Because the language is different, everything is different, and I just felt completely alone. And I, uh, I heard uh, English being spoken. And I, you know, of course, I recognized it right away, and I, so I began to eavesdrop. And uh, there were three people that were having dinner, and they were talking. So I was listening, and I started to hear things that I recognized. It's like they talked about uh, Cauga Valley National Park. They talked about the ledges. I talked about yours truly restaurant. And I went, I got all excited. I got up and I walked over to the table. I said, excuse me, I, I was eavesdropping and uh, I heard you talking. Are you talking about Ohio? And they said, yes. And I said, I'm from Hudson. They go, you're from Hudson. And I said, yes, I'm from Hudson. Right? And it's just that little connection. I didn't know anything else about them. Didn't know anything else about them, not a single thing. But because I knew that they knew where I was from, I was no longer alone. You know, I, I told you about this 11-year-old daughter of one of our staff members that was riding around on her bicycle, lost, right? And then she sees a sign that says love matters most. And she doesn't know anything about those people, not a single thing except for that sign. And that was enough to give her the courage to walk up and ring a doorbell and say, will you help me? Can you help me? When somebody is baptized here 
at our church, we give them uh, this to be baptized in. Right, everybody in, in uh, next week, we're having this uh, baptism service. If you have not yet been baptized, you should. And you, if you do, you will get one of these shirts and then you get to keep the shirt. Right? If I'm walking around my neighborhood and I see somebody with this shirt, I know something about them. I know something much more profound than where they're from much more profound than their favorite sports team or anything else I could have in common with them. This is what I know when I see somebody with that shirt. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. As soon as I see somebody with an I am new shirt, this is what I know. <laughs> well, I know they could have stolen that shirt, but let's, let's assume they didn't. The thing I know about them is that they have been made new by Jesus. That old things are passed away. Behold, I know that their identity has changed. I know that they have the same purpose for living that I have. I know I have more in common with them than probably anybody else that I've walked past that whole day. On Sunday night, I'm going to sit with my friend Calvin Brown. He's black, I'm white. I don't know how he votes. I don't know his political affiliation. I don't know how he feels about Black Lives Matter. I don't know what he thinks about white privilege. But this I know, that he was made new by Jesus, that he is a new creation, and that means that we are family. And that's what Jesus wanted. Jesus was saying, I came to restore your relationship with my Father in heaven. I will do that with my death and resurrection, but I've also done something to connect you to other people that has never happened before. And I don't care whether they are different, a different race or a different nationality, or I don't care how different they are from you. If you have this in common, that I have made you new, then you have become family. And that brings me to my third point. And I struggle with what to name my third point. You know, I, I called it that, uh, like what it means to be uh, one of Jesus' gang, right? I, I was going to name it what, it what gang members know that church members don't. But this is what I mean. The sociologists have studied gangs for a while, right, to try to figure out what makes a gang so powerful, why young people are attracted to gangs, what makes a good gang. And what they found is that part of it is the breakdown of the family, and part of it is that Everybody is deeply wired for Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It's not good to be alone. So people long for a group that will help them understand their identity and their purpose. And a good gang does that. And a good gang does that more than just when they are together. You hardly ever have the entire gang like come together for a gang meeting. 
Gang members are out in twos and threes or fours and fives, but they always know who they are. They, they wear their colors. They let people know. They said, this is who I identify with. This is who my family is. And this is what we're about. Imagine a gang, let's say, uh, a gang that was into tagging. All right, a tag is like uh, what somebody spray paints on like a wall or a railroad car or subway. I got pictures of tags there. Let's say uh, this was a, uh, a meeting like we're all members of a gang that tags. And I'm the head of the gang. All right. So I don't know what our sign would be. But I get us together to talk. What are we going to talk about? Well, we only talk about two things when we get together for the tag gang. And that's one, who we are. And number two, what we do. So if I gave you a next step, I would say, on your way out, pick up a spray can. Right? When I would see you out, I would say, hey, what have you tagged lately? Right? We wouldn't just say, oh, see, this is the thing that when I say that something that gang members understand that church members don't. When church members, so many times we talk about what it means to, to be together. And we say, oh, yeah, I went to church, right? I, I gathered together. But you're, you're not part of the gang when you're out there. We don't talk about what we're supposed to be talking about out there. We don't identify, we don't have the same purpose outside these walls. We get together and we talk about what it means to be a part of Jesus. But it was different. It's different for a gang. And this is the thing, you know, a gang member, they would wear their colors so that other people would identify them. You know, Jesus said, this is the way you're going to know. This is the way people will know out there that you belong to Jesus' gang. You know what it is? Love. Jesus says you will love each other in such a way that people, when they see how you love, they will say that you must be connected to me. Can you imagine what it would be like if every person in our church, 4,000 people, whatever it is, would they rate, would, if they read social media if they read 50 people's social media, they could pick you out and they would say this, oh, the only explanation for their social media is they must be a part of Jesus' gang because look how they love each other. If they saw your life, if they saw how you connected to each other. Tell you what, if we're going to be that kind of church, there are a couple of things that have to happen. One is, uh, I was thinking, you know, we sit in rows, right? But to be a real person that is changed by Jesus, not just vertically, but horizontally in your relationships, you can't just sit in rows. You need to be part of a circle as well. So I think a good Christian needs to have, be a part of a row and part of a circle. And that's why when you come to CCC, it's not very long before we start talking about a smaller group to get involved with a community group or something. What we're talking about is getting involved with a circle because you have to see somebody else's face. You have to know other people well enough so that when you're out there in the world, you can be connected to, you're like going out two, three, four, five at a time, just like any good gang does. And this is what I found, and this is from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That, that says that you need to consider. That, that's what made me think that you, you can't just be in a row. Consider means to ponder, to look at somebody and be able to say, how can I help them? How can I help them become a better follower of Jesus? How can I help them uh, live their lives in such a way that people around them, their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers will look at them and say, they must be a part of Jesus because look how they love each other. That's what I wanted to, this whole idea of being people who are followers of Jesus, who are not just connected to God, and we know that we are forgiven, and we know that we can weather storms because Jesus is with us, but we begin to be in relationship in such a way that we encourage each other because that overarching story of the Bible is from perfection to restoration. And in the middle, what happens is Jesus comes and he begins to restore people to God the Father, but he gets us into these little groups, these little gangs called churches. And then he tells us, this is what you're going to be about. You're going to be about love and good deeds. You're, you're going to be about telling other people about me. You're, you're going to be about the restoration process of all things. And so do that. And when you see each other out there, encourage each other in such a way that you can say to one another, listen, how have you been, instead of saying, how have you, what have you been tagging lately? That we can see each other outside these walls or when we come together inside these walls and say, what have you been doing? Tell me what good deeds, what love you have been doing to restore this world the way Jesus wants it restored. And if somebody says, you know, I haven't been able to do anything in two or three months, then we say, listen, I've been doing something. Come with me. Come with me and help me to begin to restore the way Jesus wants us to restore. You see, can you imagine what the last four months would be like in this community if every person at Christ Community Chapel, 4,000 strong, were not just a part of a row, but a part of a circle? And as soon as COVID hit, as soon as civil unrest hit, we began to look at each other, ponder, how can we help? How can we restore? How can we love in such a way that the people in our neighborhood, the people at our work, the people around us, the people in our families will know and look at us and say, what are you about? It's identity and purpose. Jesus changes your identity, making you a new creation, but he gives you a purpose to participate with him and what he is doing in the world. And we are doing that with each other. And the more we do it with each other, the more whole we become. God made you physical, emotional, spiritual. And his intent is to make you whole and powerful for him in such a way that the world itself is changed because you're a part of it. All in with Jesus all in with each other. Next week, we celebrate baptism together, and we'll talk about the final installment of All In. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you, and uh, I am grateful that you have uh, told us in your word how things ought to be. Uh, and I know that you have also exposed in us what we are right now, 
but you've also called us to a restoration process, not just with you, but also with each other. I pray that you help us uh, to commit to, re- to our relationships with each other in such a way that we will be able to encourage each other to love and good deeds and to begin to restore the way you want us to restore. Thanks for your love for us. Give us a love for each other that people will know that we are yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.